0: and enjoy man i'm doing as good as anyone can do getting buried by his 13 year old son on play day (laughs) i'm not going to apologize for not being on this podcast because i got to go see metallica so if that's a problem kiss my ass (laughs) All (laughs) all right everybody this is in liberty and health episode number 98 something like that. Um, We're definitely nearing 100. I'm recording this on May 22nd, which I believe I will premiere this tomorrow, which would be May 23rd. Um, I did a poll on Twitter and I asked what everybody would like me to talk about in another solo cast when it comes to health, and um, overwhelmingly people had chose daily habits. So um, I think what we're going to do here is we're going to lay out some of the science um, surrounding forming habits, the benefits of that, and what I do personally. So I guess um, to start things off, I'm going to lay out what I do personally every single day. So um, one thing that's important in health is having habits, right? So um, real quick, let's just define what a habit is just so, you know, we're going to start at a, a very kind of ground level, right? So the definition of habit, which as you can see, I just Googled right here, is a settled or regular tendency or practice, especially one that is hard to give up. We stayed together out of habit and then there's other you know, BS definitions of um, habits. So um, habits can be good or bad, right? But we're gonna focus on good habits, right? We're gonna focus on habits that bring about better health. So my daily routine, kind of goes as follows. So i normally wake up around four o'clock in the morning to 4.30. Um, I get up, I take a shower, and then I prepare my breakfast. I also feed my dogs. I'm sure you guys always see dogs coming around. You can see Axton's wagon right there for uh, those watching on YouTube. And he's trying to get me to pet him. <laughs> so I get up around then, I prepare my, my food for the day, and I feed the dogs. And then after that, I take them for a walk, right? Well, I also walk post meal because it's very important for, as I've talked about on many podcasts, many different guests, and have laid out some of the science in this on my channel, is um, to help with blood sugar regulation. So that way you don't have this highs and lows, your blood sugar is a little bit more stable, it's better for digestion, and you also get a little bit more energy out. So you burn a little bit of calories when you go for your daily walks. Um, And it's very sustainable for me. Um, For other people may not be, but personally, I'm a huge advocate of just walking. It's very, very easy. And, you know, it's something that I think everybody can do. So, um, you know, I start there and then after that I come home and then I kind of prepare everything and I head on into work and I work, um, I usually leave the house around like quarter after six to 6.30 and then I work from about seven o'clock in the morning before 4.30 in the afternoon. So then I head home and then I go to the gym, I work out, and then I come home and um, watch TV or do something at night. I generally don't um, make a huge meal. I may have some protein ice cream or some yogurt or something just to kind of finish off the day to get my last bolus of protein. And then I'm normally in bed, and this is the part where I'm a little bit bad with daily habits. Um, I don't always always have the same bedtime because, um, you know, just with the podcast or things I may have going on during the night, if I have to cut the grass or what have you, band practice, um, I don't always get to bed at the same time. But I generally try to be in bed by about um, anywhere from like 8 to 9 o'clock. But once again, just due to other people's schedules, not everybody's on my schedule. So I can't always be in bed by then. So the reason why it's so important to have a consistent daily schedule is because your body actually kind of likes having that circadian rhythm, all right? It likes to get up at a certain time, your body's going to want to eat at a certain time, and it's going to help regulate when you kind of feel most awake and when you're ready to go to bed. And to kind of tag on to habits there... Um, If you have like blue light blocking glasses, which I used to have, um, I think this, uh, no, it's a little piece of it, but um, (laughs) I had blue light blocking glasses that I used to wear before I'd go to bed because I would try to block out blue light. Like I have a TV, pretty much I record this on and then I'm staring at it right now. And it's bad to get all that blue light in your eyes right before you go to bed because your brain's going to suppress melatonin production, which is a hormone that helps you go to sleep. You could take melatonin gummies, but from what I understand, some people just don't feel that good when they take them. Um, I don't have any literature pulled up on that right now, but uh, you know, just kind of see how you feel if you think that melatonin may help and uh, try to avoid um, too much screen time before bed. Um, I know that we all have a bad habit of looking on our phone before we go to bed, right? And I'm not above that. But um, I try to turn it to blue light blocking mode or nighttime mode and try to turn the brightness down as much as possible. And as soon as I get into bed, I try not to be on my phone too much. I try to turn the brightness the whole way down, turn out all lights, and try to get to sleep as soon as possible. I also don't have a TV in my room because I believe that makes a bad habit, right? The bedroom should only be for sleeping and sex. Right? Those are the two things that you mainly go to the bedroom for. So you want to make sure that you're not working or doing anything really stressful in the bedroom. Not like Try not to even have arguments when you get to bed because you want that to be a place where your mind can go to rest. So don't have a TV. Try not to play on your phone. If you can, leave your phone out of the room. I'm um, just kind of build that to be a sanctuary where you go to rest, so that way you get the most restful sleep. Sleep is incredibly important when it comes to dieting down or just daily habits. So um, that's kind of my day in a nutshell. Up at four to four thirty, cook, walk the dogs, go to work, um, head to the gym, come home, do podcasts or spend time with uh, Sarah, my fiance, and you know just kind of go from there. That's kind of what my daily routine looks like and I'm very, very regimented in it. And even on the weekends, uh, I'm still up usually around 4 to 4.30 every single day just because that's when I go to sleep and that's when I get up. My body is in that circadian rhythm. Once again, you got to find what works for you and try to stick to that. So going to bed and um, waking up at the same time every day is very, very important. It's going to help you get you know kind of into that rhythm and i think you're going to feel a lot better mentally and physically when your body's used to a circadian rhythm so that's kind of what i do and um, you know my schedule is not gospel it's just a guideline right just look at that and think okay well this is what he does and you know don't take from it what you will so um i guess with that being said um Let's kind of move on to some of the uh, research that I wanted to share with you guys, where we could talk about, um, you know, just kind of how to start getting into doing daily habits and daily routines. Um, so I've this article here from IVA360.com, 10 Science-Backed Benefits of a Morning Routine. Um, I am a very big morning person. Not everybody is, but personally, I love being up early and kind of getting moving and being able to just listen to a podcast by myself with the dogs and prepare my food and eat with peace and quiet and then go outside for a walk when it's Nice and quiet, and especially when it's nicer weather out, there's just something really, really nice about getting up and going for a walk first thing in the morning, at least for me. Um, the other important thing is to kind of get sun on your skin so that way you get a little bit more vitamin D, and that's going to help you feel a little bit better throughout the day. And, you know, getting that sunlight on your face so that way you know it's time to wake up and it's time to start rocking and rolling. Um, Just the thought of mornings is enough to make many people cringe, whereas some of you may be able to jump right out of bed and start being productive. The majority of us struggle. There's no need for mornings to be painful, though. All you need is a morning routine. In fact, there are numerous benefits to having a morning routine. So they'd find what was a morning routine. Um, I'm not going to read through this word for word, but um, I, I just kind of want to point on or hit on some of this stuff just so that way people can uh, kind of take away the most from the article and I'll have this linked in the description so that way if people want to read it for themselves they can. Um, science back benefits of a morning routine. Morning routine benefits both psychological and physical. Uh, Tip number one, prepare yourself for the rest of the day. How you spend the morning will influence the rest of your day. If you start feeling rushed or lazy, expect that sensation to remain with you. A morning routine, however, gets you on track from the moment you wake up and puts you in the right frame of mind. So it was funny, um, everybody made fun of Jordan Peterson for talking about cleaning your room, but um, if you make your bed in the morning or if you have that routine where you get up, you shower and you make food and you walk like I do, then you're already kind of in motion, right? It's whatever the hell, Newton's third law of physics, what stays in motion tends to stay in motion, objects at rest tend to stay at rest. Um, Honestly, that's the way that I feel when I start kind of getting moving first thing in the morning. If you start moving and you don't stop, then you're just going to kind of keep the momentum going, or at least that's the way it works for me. So that's why I'm such a, a big proponent of having a good morning routine. Um, Number two, increase your productivity. With a morning routine, you start the day right. You spend every moment of your time on something valuable and productive from the moment you wake up. Maintain this feeling throughout the day to avoid wasting time. You'll find that you are able to focus and are more likely to finish tasks as opposed to starting several and leaving half of them incomplete. When you reach the end of the workday, you'll know you achieved all that you could and can relax in the evening without worry. Um, number three, feel in control. When you have many commitments, it can feel like you're rushing through one task to the next. Your day starts to control you rather than the other way around. A morning routine may cover just a small part of your day, but it could step, it could be a step toward helping you regain control. So I definitely um, feel that remark as well. Um, when you get up in the morning and your routine starts going, then you already know, hey, I've already taken the reins, And I'm starting to be productive. And once again, that momentum is going to keep carrying you throughout the day. So once again, just kind of hammering it home, you should have a good morning routine. Even if that's just getting up and making coffee, if you're a fasting person, um, just as long as you get up and do something consistently every single day that you can do, then you're going to be much better off than just kind of scrambling in the morning. Um, funny enough, when Mark Claire was on the show, he wrote a uh, Substack article about um, just having a morning routine and how important that is, and I couldn't agree more. If you start your morning right, then generally, at least you've kind of started off in the positive rather than in the negative. Um Number four, lower stress. Stress often occurs when you feel like you lack enough time to complete all your responsibilities or you worry about what needs doing next. When you have a routine, you always know exactly what you should be doing and what follows. You can complete your entire routine without even thinking. Plus you'll know that you have enough time to finish everything without rushing. When you avoid stress, you improve both your emotional and physical health. For instance, it may decrease your risk of developing depression, anxiety, along with illnesses like high blood pressure, heart disease, and diabetes. Um, To kind of tag on to developing depression and anxiety, um, what is that feeling? It's a feeling of chaos, right? Because there's not enough order. You can't think far enough ahead in the future because right now the task at hand is so daunting and you're so enveloped in the moment. So if you have some kind of order first thing in the morning, then you're going to be able to think a little bit further down the line because you know what comes next. Now, that's not to say that's always going to be the case, but at least it's, once again, just starting off in the positive rather than the negative. Um, He even, when Mark was on, we kind of talked about positive affirmations where you tell yourself maybe you are worthy or that you're going to have a good day or that you're going to try a little bit better. I do this. I do this frequently um sometimes you may not feel like you love your partner as much as you once did and not that i don't love my fiance i do but some days you're not feeling your relationship as much as you once were so sometimes you may need to say okay i'm going to be a better person today i'm going to give her a compliment i'm going to do this i'm going to do that um and not just when it comes to relationships when it comes to anything really you may just need to tell yourself i'm going to do this And even if you're not always perfect about it, at least you kind of put one foot in front of the other to try to, once again, start yourself off a little bit more positive. Number six, boost your energy levels. There, the, many, the reason many people hate mornings is because their energy levels are low early in the day. A great thing about a morning routine is that it can increase your energy, especially when you give yourself no time to be lazy and dedicate all your time to scheduled activities. If you want an extra energy boost, include a high-intensity workout, meditation, or a cold shower in your morning routine. I definitely agree with this as well, but once again, this is why I walk first thing in the morning. Um, just to kind of recharge the batteries and part of that routine of just starting the metabolic fire. Uh, cold showers, when it comes to working out, I don't necessarily recommend because you're actually kind of blunting the anabolic response that your body gets from damaging the muscle. You need to kind of experience the pain and <laughs> being sore in order for that muscle to adapt and overcome. But once again, if that feels easy for you and it works for you, then just do that. But there is evidence out there to suggest that you may blunt some of the anabolic response to a workout with cold showers um number seven improve relationships there are several ways something as simple as a morning routine can impact your relationships the big one is lowering stress it is common to take out stress on a loved one even though the person may have nothing to do with your frustrations when you reduce stress you're less, you're less likely to snap at someone a morning routine will also mean that you're more accessible to your family, which is critical for improving relationships. When you're better organized, you have more spare time to spend with family members. Developing a morning routine is most important for improving relationships with people you live with. When your family or roommates know your schedule for the morning, they can work around you. There'll be no disputes about who gets to use the bathroom and no problems with two or more people trying to share the kitchen at the same time. Um, this kind of goes to the Jocko Willings saying of uh, discipline equals freedom. I think that's very important because when you are disciplined, then you have more free time because you know you have this time laid out for what you need to get done. And then once you get that done, then you no longer have to worry about what you're not getting done. So like right now, I know that I have to budget time to record this podcast. Well, then after that, I'm going to have to do some yard work because the yard work needs done. The grass needs cut, right? It's, it's part of the daily routine. and It's part of what I have to do. It's part of my responsibilities. So I have to have the discipline to do that. So that way I can do other things that I want to do. Um, combat forgetfulness, tip number eight. When you have the same routine every day, it's much more unlikely you'll forget something. Without even thinking, you'll go through the motions of getting ready for work. The chances are slim that you'll arrive to work and realize you left something you need at home. There will also be a lower risk that you forget to do an important chore like taking the trash out or closing the door to your bedroom to stop your dog sleeping on your bed. Um, my dogs love sleeping on my bed. They really do. <laughs> um Number nine, improve your confidence. When you remain calm and collected, you naturally feel more confident. Plus, better time management will mean you accomplish more, which can also improve your self-esteem. Finally, giving yourself enough time for personal care in the morning can improve your self-confidence. When you set aside a portion of time just for personal care, there's no need to rush. You can spend your time carefully doing your hair and choosing clothes that make you feel good. Um, I definitely agree with this as well, and that seems like it's almost geared towards women, but uh, for men too, really, I think that's important. Grooming and that well, I said that, and I'm thinking about groomers. Self-grooming, as in making sure that you look good, that's very, very important because once again, you're going to feel confident and when you feel confident, you don't feel as chaotic. You feel a little bit more in control. It's very, very important to having a productive day and being in good relationships with people is having confidence in yourself so that way you know you can navigate the hard times and the good times and you can have a conversation with people and not be awkward and clunky, Right. I think it's very important and I definitely feel that when I you know, have time to do my whatever I need to do in the morning. Um, number 10, learn to be flexible. Your morning routine is just the beginning of your schedule. It's normal that things won't always go as you hoped, meaning you'll need to adapt. Sticking to your morning routine as often as possible is great, but you also need to learn flex, or to be flexible if unexpected things happen. Learning to adapt your morning routine around such events will train you to be flexible in other aspects of your life. Um, I'm not going to continue reading on here, but, uh, they just kind of talk about some different stuff that you could do. Um, some different examples of different people, you know, once again, I'll put this in the uh, show notes below if people want to kind of dig in here and see what they think about different routines that are recommended. Um, but yeah, if you are flexible with your morning routine, let me stop the share here. Um. Then you can bleed that flexibility into other parts of your life, and that's not to say you should always be incredibly flexible and not do your morning routine. But um, this kind of goes to things that I've talked about in other podcasts: is that you're not a bad person if you fall off the wagon every once in a while. Um, The one morning, my dog ran out and got sprayed by a skunk. They hate skunks now. but um they got sprayed by a skunk and that threw off my morning routine i had the skillet going i was ready to cook a steak but guess what that kind of had to take a back seat because unfortunately the dogs kind of screwed up the plans i was going for a walk the one day and uh same deal dogs went up got sprayed by a skunk well that really threw a wrench in the plans i was in good mood but sometimes shit just happens and you got to kind of roll with the punches But um, the thing I really want to pound home here is just you're not a bad person if you fall off your diet, if you fall off your morning routine, if you are not perfect in a moment. And I really want people to take a moment and reflect on that. Pause this if you have to and just kind of tell yourself you're not a bad person if you fail on any one single endeavor. It's the accumulation of those failures. If they're consistent and you constantly let people down or you constantly let yourself down, you may need to kind of reflect and readjust. But just one failure over here and there, I understand it's tough, but you're not a failure just for one, right? You're the sum of everything that you've ever done and the consequences of your actions and what you've built, right? You're not just the failure in this moment. So um, we'll keep reading on here. Um, So this is a psychology study, frontiers uh, in psychology, how to form good habits, a longitudinal field study on the role of self-control and habit formation. Um, The reason why I wanted to kind of tackle this is just so that way people can kind of see some of the data on how people form habits and um, just kind of different stuff surrounding that. So when striving for long-term goals, um, people often get in conflict with their short-term goals. Um, Previous research suggests that people who are successful in controlling their behavior in line with their long-term goals rely on effortless strategies such as good habits. In the present study, we aim to track how self-control capacity affects the development of good habits in real life over a period of 90 days. Results indicated that habit formation increased substantially over the course of three months, especially for participants who consistently perform the desired behavior during this time. Contrary to our expectations, however, self-control capacity did not seem to affect the habit formation process. Directions for future research on self-control and other uh, potential moderators in formation of good habits are discussed. Um, We will not read this word for word, but I'll just breeze through a couple paragraphs and uh, just kind of see what you take away from it. Once again, this will be in the show notes if you want to read it in its entirety. Um, Sometimes people find themselves mindlessly watching TV while they had the intention to be more physically active, eating sweets while they wanted to be more healthy or eat more healthily, or lashing out at others while they wanted to be more patient or open-minded. Sounds familiar? Although many... Although people may often be able to control themselves in order to attain long-term goals, such as healthy living or maintaining satisfactory relationships, there are also many instances which they are unable or unwilling to exert self-control. Also, some people are less successful in controlling their behaviors than others. In these cases, people often revert to effortless habitual behavior often bad habits. This reliance on habits may, however, also be used to people's advantage if they manage to form good habits that are in line with their long-term goals. Indeed, recent research suggests people who are successful in controlling their behavior more effortlessly um, rely on good habits, but how are good habits formed? Once again, um, to be successful, you need to practice success. It sounds cliche, cheesy, whatever you wanna say, But if you're consistent in behaviors that, you know, generally make you feel good and um, rely on you being consistent, then you're going to have that base to build on, right? Um, I wear this activity tracker every single day, and right now I'm trying to lose weight. So I'm consistent about the calories I take in, and I'm consistent about the amount of daily activity that I do. So that way I have the base from which to build my caloric deficit, my diet, and different things around that to be more successful in my journey to health, right? Research on habit formation has shown that behavior is likely to become habitual when it's frequently and consistently performed in the same context. For example, when one frequently and consistently eats vegetables for lunch, at some association that may guide future behavior, Specifically, when encountering con- or encountering a context that's associated with a certain behavior, this context will automatically trigger this associated behavior. I'm going to kind of tap on there, like I was saying earlier about my blue light blocking glasses. I associate that with the time to start to relax and cool down and get ready to go to bed. I put the blue light blocking, blue light blocking glasses on and then go to bed, right? That's time to rest. Uh, Where are we here? Hence, once a good habit is formed, it is rather effortless to perform desired behavior. However, the process of habit formation itself may vary in the amount of effort needed. Although some people manage to form certain habits as quickly as 18 days, others may need as much as half a year. This raises the question of how exactly do habits form over time? Um, Although research on habit formation is still in its infancy, recent studies have uncovered some of the mechanisms that underlie the habit formation process one of the main findings is that the habit formation process within individuals unfolds asymptomatically. Um, That is, habit strength increases steeply at first, then levels off. In addition, studies that studied habit formation on the group level have provided insight into the processes that facilitate such increases in habit strength. Specifically, the frequency and consistency with which the desired behavior is performed, the inherently rewarding nature of the behavior, a comfortable environment, and easy rather than difficult behaviors have been shown to facilitate the process of Habit formation. Um, besides these factors, there are still many other unexplored, um, many still many others unexplored that may explain the variation in the time it takes people to form a habit. One is su- one such likely candidate is self-control capacity. That is, habit formation crucially depends on the repeated performance of behavior that is in line with one's long-term goals. The initiation of such new behavior, as well as inhibition of acting upon short-term temptations, likely requires effortful self-control especially in the early stages of habit formation. Indeed a study among teenagers indicates that those who initially had a higher self-control capacity reported having stronger meditation habits after three months of meditation sessions. Other studies revealed that habit strength mediates the effect of self-control of strength and behavior. Specifically self-control is related to increased habit strength which in turn related to increased exercise um, behavior and decrease snack intake. However, although these studies have indicated that self-control is related to habit strength, they do not provide insight in the role of self-control capacity in the initial stage of habit formation. Um, so this kind of goes to part of my daily habit as well is that I eat at specific times. So I usually eat first about 5 to 5 30 in the morning and then I have my morning um, protein snack around 8 to 8 30 and then I have my lunch around noon and then another protein snack around three. And I usually have my dinner anywhere from about 5.45 to seven. The time just depends on when I get out of work and when I get done working out. Um, I'm very, very disciplined in that. And that's how I'm able to maintain my diet the way that it is. When I was on carnivore, the problem was that I'd be really good for a week or two, and I'd be able to eat you know, meat all throughout the week. But then when the uh, weekend came around, I wasn't disciplined anymore because I didn't have a good habit in place. I wasn't able to say no to the sweet foods because it was they, they just were so good and my body was starving for calories. So to kind of tack on to a slightly less relevant point, when it comes to diet, the more consistent you are, the better, obviously, right? Compliance is the science. So if you are consistently eating at your maintenance calories or the same calories every single day, you're going to have less of a desire to binge because you already have this order and you're satisfying the urge to eat throughout the day. But if you just eat whenever, whatever, how much ever, then you may be leaving yourself open to the potential that you're going to just go unhinged. So um, I do think it's important to kind of have a routine around what you eat, when you eat, and how you eat. Um, Kind of just calming down, sitting down and eating for a little bit because, you know, you enjoy food with other people and being social when you eat. That's great. But also kind of be mindful. Don't just grab a bag of chips and sit down on the couch and eat because you could eat a whole bag of chips without even realizing it. You want to be mindful of what you're eating. Um, I'm very disciplined because I weigh out food. But once again, not everybody's going to be me and not everybody's going to have the same discipline. But just kind of building habits around eating. I think it's very healthy. It's going to help you not overeat. Um, The current study was a first attempt to track how self-control capacity affects the development of good habits in daily life over a relatively long period of time. We expected both repeated goal-congruent behavior performance and self-control capacity to facilitate the formation of good habits. Possibly self-control capacity may affect habit formation via increased behavior performance as the initiation of the new behavior inhibition of conflicting behavior self-control at first, To test our hypotheses, we recruited people who wanted to form good habit in the domain of health behavior, eating fruits or vegetables, exercising or drinking water, interpersonal relationships, making more contacts with others, being more patient or open-minded or having more attention for others, personal finance, saving money or environmental friendly behavior recycling. Over the course of three months, we then measured their goal congruent behavior performance, self-control capacity, habit strength to examine how self-control related to behavior performance and habit strength over time um here they just kind of explain the different participants once again you guys can read this and determine if, if you think this is quality evidence but um once again just kind of trying to lay out the science here um so procedure and materials those who are interested in participating received an information letter via email containing a link to register for the study with a unique participation code in the registration form participants were reminded of the terms and conditions Um, after which they were required to give their consent for participating in the study. Participants could then schedule an appointment for pre-measurement. Participants came to university for pre-measurement as part of a larger longitudinal prospective study on trait self-control, an example to see whether self-control could be trained by daily performance of a behavior that requires self-control, which indeed seemed to be the case. Um, As such, different measurements, um, also included measures that were of not of interest for the current study goal setting at the start of the study participants selected a specific behavior they wanted to turn to a habit over the course of the study Choices covered health, interpersonal, financial, and ecological behaviors. Depending on the type of behavior chosen, participants could then choose from three to seven contexts for behavioral practice. Um, As such, participants could choose which habit they wanted to form based on 60 preset combinations of behaviors and contexts. See Figure 1 for an overview of which behaviors were selected by the participants. It was emphasized that the selected behavior needed to be personally relevant for them and had to be behavior that they did not regularly perform yet and had to be feasible for them to perform on a daily basis. After selecting a behavior and context, participants had to specify for themselves what this behavior entailed. Um, as such, participants were intrinsically motivated and there was room for forming a new habit. Um, so that was just kind of the context of how they wanted people to lay out their daily habits. Um, So the instructions were, for the purpose of the study, we developed a mobile app, which ran on iOS and Android, to assess self-control capacity and habit strength on a regular basis. At the end of the pre-measurement, participants were instructed to install and use this app for daily tests and questionnaires. Participants were also informed that they would receive a reminder every morning via the mobile app. Um, So the app measured habit strength. Habit strength was assessed by bi-weekly with the self-report habit index, which consists of 12 statements. Um, for each statement, the participants indicated to what extent they felt the statement applied to them on a scale from one completely disagree to seven completely agree. The scale power proved reliable with a Cronbach's alpha of 0.94. So I think that means that it was pretty much 94% accurate in determining, um, you know, how reliable that was, like, in, in how good they were at forming the habits. Um, and you can fact check me on that, whatever. Um, Goal congruent behavior performance on a daily basis, participants indicated that dichotomously, whether or not they had performed the self-chosen behavior that day and whether they performed this behavior in their self-chosen context. Self-control capacity um, was assessed bi-weekly by the brief self-control scale, which consists of 13 statements. um, And they just gave examples, I'm good at resisting temptation, or people would say I have iron self-discipline for each statement, participants indicated To what extent they felt the statement applied to them on a scale from one, not at all, to five, very much. The scale proved reliable with a Cronbach's alpha of 0.79, so about 80%, if I'm understanding that correctly. Um, Habit formation over time, individual level analysis, first following um, Lally et al., 2010 approach. We attempt to fit an asymptomatic curve to individual participants' habit strength scores over time. Um, To see whether we could predict the individual rate of change in habit strength as a function of goal congruent behavior performance and self-control capacity, however, the individual patterns fluctuated too much, possibly because biweekly measurements were too infrequent. Um, Sorry, Uh, trying to breeze past that. And curve fitting could only be achieved for 4.11% of our participants. Um, As an alternative, we also tried fitting a less constrained power curve with even less success. Therefore, we decided to analyze the data on the group level instead. Um, Just kind of getting to the end of what I want to read here. Um, We examined the data in SPSS24 with the linear mixed models using maximum likelihood estimation in the first analysis. We carried out a growth curve modeling for habit formation in which a random intercept and fixed effects of a linear and quadratic time trend were estimated. In addition to the random slopes of the linear and quadratic trend, were tested allow for individual differences in the growth curve. In a second analysis, we tested whether habit formation was influenced by self-control capacity and the performance of the um, behavior. In model one, random intercept was included to determine the intra-class correlation of habit strength as an indicator of variance at person level. In model two, lagged habit strength um, was entered to analyze habit formation. Because we controlled for lagged habit strength, the linear and quadratic trend were not included in this analysis. In Model 3, self-control capacity at the previous bi-weekly measurement of self-control and daily practice of the chosen behavior um, was entered, as well as a number of control variables, the measurement of bi-weekly habit assessment, the length of the intervals since the previous habit assessments, and the number of daily behavioral assessments. Um, The results were, we first examined whether habit strength increased over time. Figure 3 shows a significant increase of about 0.8, a large effect size, according to Cohen, in 1992, and habit strength over a period of 110 days with a stronger increase in the beginning of the study period, leveling off at the end. This kind of relates to what they were saying earlier, where at first it increases and then it kind of levels off on both the linear trend and the quadratic trend were significant, adding the random slopes for the linear and quadratic improved the fit of the model showing that habit formation differed over participants. Um, I'm just gonna kind of look through here and see if there's anything else, Uh, it's just the discussion. Um, Yeah, so that's pretty much it. So once again, they just kind of lay out how you kind of get to developing habits. So in this study here, I was reading through this a little bit. Making health habitual: the psychology of habit formation in general practice. Um, the secret. The Secretary of State recently proposed that the NHS take every opportunity to prevent poor health and promote healthy living by making the most of healthcare professionals' contact with individual patients. Um, obviously, as a libertarian, I don't advocate for government to really do anything. Um, if anything, it should just. You know, abolish itself, but you know, uh, we're not talking about that or about that in this specific podcast. Patients trust health professionals as a source of advice on lifestyle that is, comma, behavior change, and brief opportunistic advice can be effective. However, many health professionals shy away from giving advice on modifying behavior because they find traditional behavior change strategies time-consuming to explain and difficult for the patient to implement. Furthermore, even when patients successfully initiate the recommended changes, the gains are often transient because few of the traditional behavior changes strategies have built-in mechanisms for maintenance. Um, So basically, they're just saying doctors don't really like giving advice because they find that it falls on deaf ears. Um, You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. That's what I'm doing with this podcast, right? I'm going to give you guys all the tools that I possibly can to make you healthy, better looking, and whatever. Whatever I can give you. I'm gonna give you the tools and then it's up to you to build with those tools. Um, Brief advice is usually based on advising patients on what to change and why, for example, reducing saturated fat intake to reduce the risk of heart attack. Psychologically, such advice is designed to engage conscious, deliberate motivational processes, which Kahneman terms slow or system two processes. However, the effects are typically short-lived because motivation and attention wane. Brief advice on how to change engaging automatic system one processes may offer a valuable alternative with a potential for a long-term impact. Um, opportunistic health behavior advice must be easy for health professionals to give and easy for patients to implement to fit into our routine health care. Um, once again, compliance is science. What is the best exercise? The exercise you'll do. What is the best diet? The one you'll follow you need to be you need to make it very, very easy for people to grab so that way more people are able to run with this. This is kind of a problem that we see in political messaging is that um, as libertarians, we're very abstract and we don't always have the answers for the problems right now other than just get rid of it. <laughs> um, in order for us to be more marketable and to influence more people, we need to make it more, reachable for everybody right you need to be i don't want to say inclusive but you need to kind of have a little bit more of a ground level understanding for people so that way people can um, get here without having to jump through a bunch of mental gymnastics to get to your end result Um, we propose that simple advice on how to make healthy actions into habits externally triggered automatic responses to frequently encountered contexts offers a useful option and behavior change toolkit. Advice for creating habits easy for clinicians to deliver and easy for patients to implement. Repeat a chosen behavior in the same context until it becomes automatic and effortless. Um, same deal with like when it comes to libertarianism, right? You need to make a hat. You need to make people understand the philosophy and the principles so that way they're able to default to their principles in any given context to understand things. Same deal with health you need to kind of give people the tools to understand what foods to kind of avoid or certain contexts where, okay, well, you might want to avoid ice creams or gas station food because it's just going to be full of processed carbs and oils or fats or whatever that are going to be very calorically dense, but not very satiating. So um, kind of letting people know, hey, if you pull up a package and you see it's incredibly high in carbohydrates and fats together, but low in protein, you should probably avoid that, Right. Just avoid that because it's not going to give you anything that's really nutritious. You're not going to be satiated yet. It may taste good, but you're not getting anything out of it. Um, so continuing on, habit formation and health, while often used as a synonym for frequent or customary behavior in everyday parlance within psycho- psychology, habits are defined as actions that are triggered automatically in response to contextual cues that have been associated with their performance. For example, automatically washing hands after using the toilet, or putting on a seatbelt after getting into the car, decades of psychological research consistently show that the mere repetition of a simple action in consistent context leads through associative learning to the action being activated upon subsequent exposure to the contextual cues, that is, habitually. And here they just put a contextual cue and then an action. So like when you, let's say, walk through the door, right? If you have dogs, the first thing you may do is say hi to your dogs, or their kind of habitual um context would be when you walk through the door they know to be excited because they're excited to see you so they run up to you and they give you kisses which is why dogs are awesome (laughs) therefore um i know i'm sorry um once initiation the action is transferred to external cues dependence on the conscious attention or motivational process is reduced right it's just you know when i put my hand down on the mouse i know that the mouse is going to move and i need to click on certain things for certain things to happen Um, Therefore, habits are likely to persist even after conscious motivation or interest dissipates. Habits are also cognitively efficient because the automation of common action frees mental resources for other tasks. Um, A growing literature demonstrates the relevance of habit formation principles to health. Uh, participants in one study repeat a self-chosen health promoting behavior for example eat fruit go for a walk in response to a single once daily cue in their own environment such as after breakfast it's kind of what i was saying earlier this is what i do as soon as i'm done eating breakfast leashes and harnesses on the dog let's rock and roll daily ratings of the subjective automaticity wow automaticity sorry guys of, of the behavior that is habit strength showed that Um, Asymptomatic increase with initial acceleration that slowed to a plateau after an average of 66 days. Missing occasional opportunity to perform the behavior did not seriously impair the habit formation process. I'm going to read that one more time. Um, Missing the occasional opportunity to perform the behavior did not seriously impair the habit formation process. The reason why that's so important, it goes back to what I was saying earlier. If you miss a certain thing, if you aren't always perfect and you know, in enacting a certain behavior, you're not a bad person. You'll still likely get to your goal. Just don't make it a habit of missing, you know, the daily, your daily responsibilities, the things you want to do. Um, let me see. Where was I at? Automacity gain soon resumed after one missed performance. Automatically, automaticity strength peaked. <laughs> More quickly for simple actions, for example, drinking water, than more elaborate routines, for example, doing 50 sit ups. Yeah. Obviously, it's a lot easier to drink water than it is to do 50 sit-ups. Um, habit formation advice paired with small changes approach has been tested as a behavior change strategy. In one study, volunteers wanting to lose weight were randomized into habit-based intervention based on a brief leaflet using 10 simple diet and activity behaviors and encouraging context, dependent competition or no treatment waiting list control. After eight weeks, the intervention group had lost two kilograms compared with 0.4 kilograms in the control group. At 32 weeks, completers of the intervention group had lost an average of 3.8 kilograms. Qualitative qualitative interview data indicated that automacity... God, I'm so sorry, guys. ...had developed behaviors became second nature, warming their way into your brain so that participants felt quite strange if they did not do them. Actions that were initially difficult to stick to became easier to maintain. A randomized controlled trial is underway to test the efficacy... Of this intervention, were delivered in a primary care setting to a larger sample over a 24-month follow-up period. Nonetheless, these early results indicate that habit-forming processes transfer uh, quick or transfer to the everyday environment suggests that habit formation advice offers an innovative technique for promoting long-term behavior change. Um, So, yeah, basically, once you kind of get these daily habits down, then you're going to be off to a much better um, place to where you can make changes a lot easier, right? So once again, get up, eat, go for a walk. Those, that behavior right there is going to enable you to continue to lose weight because you already have that discipline in one area. You just gotta carry that out to the rest of your life. And if you're successful there and you get that little dopamine hit, right? You feel good because you were successful in doing something. So maybe you could see if that applies to other areas. and here, I actually kind of like the way that they laid this out, but, um, they lay out basically how they had people make a new habit. So, um, if for those listening, um, for those watching, you kind of see what's going on here, but box one, a tool for patients, make a new healthy habit. One, decide on a goal that you would like to achieve for your health. Two, choose a simple action that will get you towards your goal, which you can do on a daily basis. Three, Plan when and where you will do your chosen action. Be consistent. Choose a time and place you encounter every day of the week. Four, every time you encounter that time and place, do the action. Five, it will get easier with time and within 10 weeks, you should find you are doing it automatically without even having to think about it. Six, congratulations, you made a healthy habit. So here they just put my goal is to example, my plan is to example, where and will. Um, and they just kind of have like the chart laid out basically saying um what's going on. So um like I said I really like this. Make sure you guys check out the study and honestly I would say print this out and then maybe put down what you would want to do so that way you can kind of lay out these actions and then decide what you want to do from there. For me, something that's very sustainable is once again I'm at my house every day, obviously, and I make breakfast every single morning. So those two are contexts that I'm in every single day. And then I know right after those two, time to go for a walk, right? That's my daily habit. It's very sustainable for me. I enjoy doing it. And only that, I get to listen to podcasts and kind of get caught up on stuff that I want to get caught up on every day. Um, so continuing on here, uh, initiation requires the patient to be sufficiently motivated to begin a habit formation attempt, but many patients would like to eat healthier diets or take more exercise. For example, if doing so were easy... Um, patients must choose an appropriate context in which to perform the action. The context could be any cue, for example, an event when I get to work or a time of day after breakfast that is sufficiently salient in daily life that is encountered and detected frequently and consistently. A cue located within an existing daily routine, for example, when I go on my lunch break, provides a convenient and stable starting point. Um, Keeping going during the learning phase is crucial. The idea of repeating a single specific action, for example, eating banana in a consistent context with cereal for breakfast is very different from the typical advice given to people trying to make up or take up new healthy behaviors, which often emphasizes a variation in behaviors and setting to maintain interests trying different fruits with or between meals variation may stave off boredom but is effortful and depends on maintaining motivation is incompatible with development of automaticity jesus i'm so sorry i can't say that guys um I won't keep reading this word for word we'll go down to the conclusion Psychological theory and evidence around habit formation generates recommendations for simple and sustainable behavior change advice. We acknowledge that the health professionals do not always find it appropriate to offer lifestyle counseling to patients. Some patients can become annoyed when advised to change their behavior, and this reaction can threaten patients' trust and satisfaction with the doctor-patient relationship. However, in settings where professionals feel able to offer behavior advice, we suggest they consider providing guidance on habit formation. Habit formation advice can be delivered briefly it is simple for the patient to implement and it has realistic potential for long-term impact. It offers health professionals a useful tool for incorporating evidence-based health promotion and into encounters with patients. A sample tool for health professionals to use with patients to encourage habit formation to provide in box one. That was kind of that thing that I was talking about earlier where they kind of just have a graph and kind of describe how to form a habit. And I think that is very useful. So um, here, this is a little bit of a shorter paper, but, um, Here they just talk about the importance of creating habits and routine as we've kind of expounded upon throughout this whole podcast. Um, one of the greatest challenges to lifestyle medicine is patient adherence. Lifestyle diseases inherently require lifetime prevention and treatment. Therefore, adherence to lifestyle medicine recommendations must also be long-term. Long-term adherence implies that a routine incorporating health recommendations has been developed. Instead of focusing on the immediacy of adherence and and lifestyle changes, healthcare providers could consider helping patients develop a routine to slowly incorporate those changes. This perspective may enable greater long-term adherence to lifestyle change recommendations. Um, an apple a day keeps a doctor away. This popular expression indicates that apples are good for one's health and highlights the importance of routinely eating them. Often the message individuals take away from the apple a day health advice to eat more apples. However, perhaps a more important takeaway message to eat nutritious foods regularly. Um, I'm going to stop right here and just kind of pound on that a little bit. Um, When it comes to diet, it is important that you eat regularly. I know some people are a fan of fasting, but if you eat more regularly throughout the week, you're going to be less likely to deviate because you already have that routine. You have that habit where you know to eat and you're going to be satiated more often, so you're less likely to binge when it's time to eat just my personal opinion and kind of, you know, do what you feel works best for you. But personally for me, um, when I eat more regularly, I feel less, you know, less desire to binge. I feel like I can turn away from the donuts and the ice cream and the junk food more readily. The term lifestyle change inherently means that changes are made such that they can be followed for the lifetime of an individual. Implementation of lifestyle change implies that the routine is followed and habits are formed. A healthy lifestyle includes habitual consumption of nutritious foods, regular physical activity, and consistent sleep. In this issue, Weaver and colleagues discuss the structured day hypothesis as an explanation for a trend in children gaining weight over the summer. When days are less structured, such as the summer months, when school is out of session, children are more prone to engage in Obesogenic behaviors as a result, most children, irrespective of their weight status, gain weight over the summer. Um, Routine is consistently found to be more important for children or is found to be important for children. A bedtime routine is associated with increased family functioning and improved sleep habits. Family routines have been linked to the development of social skills and academic success. And adherence to family routines has been identified as important for family resilience during the times of crisis. However, the importance of routine is not unique to children. Observational research indicates that individuals in good health engage in highly routine health behaviors. For example, those successful at maintaining weight loss often eat the same foods, engage in consistent exercise, and do not skip meals. While the preponderance of observational level research um, points to the importance of a routine, little attention has been paid to the role routine may have in lifestyle medicine. Instead, healthy behavior or health behavior research often focuses on patient adherence. Um, just to kind of pound on my personal experience as well. Um, I do eat pretty much the same stuff every single day. (laughs) I usually have some kind of meat or protein in the morning, eggs, steak, bacon, sometimes French toast with, um, you know, a little bit more egg whites to get a little bit more protein. And, uh, and then usually like ground beef for lunch. right. I've maintained my weight loss over the course of a little over three years now. I was once 250 pounds, referred to, I think it's episode 58, where I talked about weight loss tips and where I was at one point. Um, According to the World Health Organization, adherence refers to the extent to which a person's behavior, taking medication, following a diet, or executing lifestyle changes corresponds with agreed recommendations from a healthcare provider. Patient adherence is one of the greatest challenges in lifestyle medicine. In the short term, many patients are able to adhere to recommendations. However, it has not been estimated that or it has been estimated that only about fifty percent of patients adhere to their long-term treatment plan. Not adherence to medication, for example, can lead to poor management of chronic disease and a higher healthcare burden. This is a crucial issue for lifestyle medicine, as chronic disease, by definition, long-term. It's evident from low adherence rates that adherence does not always lead to routine. A routine can be defined as a repeated behavior involving momentary time commitment task that requires little conscious thought. If health recommendations were to become routine, adherence would likely occur. A novel way to approach this issue of patient adherence is to assist patients in creating a routine around the health recommendation. However, there are many challenges to the creation of a routine. won't read this word for word, but we'll just kind of go through it. Forming a routine can take a long time and is highly variable between individuals. Experimental research regarding routines is scant. One reason for this is conducting randomized control trial to isolate routine as variable of interest would be challenging. Formation of habits is more often studied. Um, As the formation of a habit in routine is more similar than different, some implications of habit formation research will be discussed. However, it is important to note the difference between routine and a habit. Habits are associated with a cue. For example, washing one's hands after using the restroom is a habit because hand washing is associated with the event of using the restroom. Like a routine, a habit requires a little conscious thought. However, after prolonged absence of the cue, individual's habit may subside. A routine is not dependent on a cue. Um, Turning adherence into routine, Routines do not require conscious effort or thought, although there are multiple strategies to form a routine. An important one is to help patients develop a structure to their day such that fewer decisions need to be made. When presented with a choice, individuals typically pick the option that is easiest and quickest and most enjoyable. Unfortunately, these choices often counter how most or counter most health recommendations. The success of meal replacements as weight loss aid exemplifies how reducing the number of decisions an individual makes can lead to improved health. Another approach to train patients is to plan out decisions prior to being faced with a decision. Um, For me personally, I do plan out my consumption of food pretty much a couple days to maybe even a week in advance. So I schedule out my days eating the day before just so that way it's Done, I don't have to think about it that day. Um, Strategies such as preparing meals ahead of time, looking at the menu on the way to the restaurant to decide on a healthy choice before sitting at the table, packing lunch instead of purchasing one, scheduling an exercise class or time to work out with a friend and so on, all can help remove decisions from the individual's day. Um, When helping a patient plan how to fit health recommendations into their day, it is important for healthcare providers and patients to be realistic. For most of lifestyle medicine, the establishment of a routine for long-term adherence is more important than perfect adherence in the short term. Healthcare providers can include situations into the plan when patients have disruptions in routines and can troubleshoot solutions to barriers. For example, a vacation may completely disrupt someone's routine, making it less likely for him or her to maintain a certain lifestyle behavior. In this case, it is important to determine how one's routine will be reestablished on their return. Um, Yeah, if you go on vacation, it's fine to let go of your routine. Just uh, make sure you kind of hop back on the pony once you get back, you know. (sighs) Um, So in conclusion, establishing a routine of eating an apple every day will keep the doctor away. To reduce the healthcare burden and improve patients' chronic disease management, healthcare providers can consider shifting toward helping patients build a routine around the lifestyle changes that they need to make. In other words, instead of asking a patient to change his or her lifestyle to adhere to specific recommendations, healthcare providers can help patients find ways to fit recommendations into their lifestyle. This different perspective for both the healthcare provider and the patient could be um, what is necessary to increase long-term adherence. However, routines take time to establish. Adding in too many changes to a day will likely be difficult for a patient to sustain and may result in behavior relapse. Research consistently demonstrates that too much change too fast is likely to end without positive results. Healthcare providers aim to add in one or two changes at a time, slowing building a routine for health that truly does keep the doctor away. I'll stop the share here and I will give you some of my closing thoughts. Um, so maybe it's not the apple that keeps the doctor away, it's the habit, right? So you know to get up and go for a walk, right? That's gonna get a little bit more energy out and it's gonna help with blood sugar regulation and all that stuff, right? So when it comes to people asking me for what changes they can make, I would suggest try walking, right? Easy, sustainable, low impact, stokes some metabolic fire. Try to just get a little more protein in, right? And it doesn't mean snack on a protein bar, eat some eggs, eat some steak, eat some chicken, Um, Whatever your preferred source source of protein is, try to get that in a little bit more throughout the day, right? So you can implement walking, a little bit more protein, and then just try to resistance train three times a week. If I tell you that you have to do three hours of cardio first thing in the morning and resistance train at night, six days a week, and um, eat nothing but chicken, broccoli, and rice, then what's the likelihood you're going to adhere to that? For those listening, zero. If I try to tell you to overhaul your entire life to improve your health, once again, the likelihood you will do that is about zero. So let's start with small changes to your everyday life that you can sustainably do to improve your health. And then from there, we can start leveling up those recommendations if you're successful in just these small behavior changes. So um, yeah, those are kind of my thoughts and some of the science surrounding forming habits and why they're so important about a daily routine. Like I said, for me personally, walking every single morning after I eat breakfast, I find that to be very, very important, and I think that's um, kind of what gets my day going on the right foot. Um, You know, if that's for you just drinking coffee first thing in the morning and then maybe doing a couple push-ups, some high-intensity interval training as soon as you wake up, sure, why not? Whatever works for you. So, um, yeah, feel free to, uh, you know, like, subscribe, share, check it out, share with a friend, um, if you like this podcast, I would really appreciate it if you guys subscribed to the channel. If you give me thumbs up or five-star reviews, wherever you can do whatever, that really means a lot to me. Um, check out ax Sledge for all your supplements brought to you by me. Um, <laughs> use code METOVIC10, K one zero at checkout to get a little discount. Let them know I sent you your way or sent them, sent you their way. And uh, until next time, everybody take care. And I really hope this helped.